And if you want to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, we are systematically walking through this book. Uh, If you're new here to Fellowship Bible Church, one of the things we do is we take a book of the Bible and we go through it passage by passage. So God's transformation comes through his revelation, and that is going to be especially true today. Now, if you've ever been involved in in a relay race, you know how important this baton is and to make sure that you make the exchange. One thing that you never want to see happen is in the middle of a relay race, when it comes time for the exchange, that this happens. Okay, when that does, I mean, for your team, that race is over. In fact, this is a great way to get some special attention from your coach, okay, if you can't make that exchange. And if you can't do it in the 20 meters, you know, uh, for instance, if for like the guy that you're supposed to give the exchange to, he takes off too fast or you slow down or he's not paying attention and you run into him and you move into another lane, I want you to know that's another way to get yourself disqualified because that exchange zone, it may look easy, but I want you to know it's actually pretty difficult, especially running, when you're running at a high speed and one guy's at borderline exhaustion and the other guy can't wait to take off. I tell you this because... The exchange zone in a track meet, in a relay race, is a lot like the exchange zone in parenting. In parenting, we have about 20 years to pass on the baton of faith and life to the next generation. And I want you to know it's challenging and difficult. In fact, there's a lot of ways that you can mess this up. And that is why God has given us his instruction in his word How does God instruct parents to invest in their children? God, who is the one who has created all people, he is the one who actually has a divine design for how life is to be lived. God has actually instructed us on how to do this. And I want you to know, for Karina and I, we are raising four children. I am so very grateful for God and for his word. There is a great joy and adventure to parenting. But I would have never wanted to do parenting apart from trusting God and following his word. And if I could just give you one verse, and I can guarantee that if you will put this into play in your life, your house will become a home. This is how you go about it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. So as we've been making our way through the book of Ephesians, you'll notice that in chapter 6, it begins that children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. And they are to honor their father and mother. And so a couple of weeks ago, I gave a message on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, that shows that children, while they're in their home, they're to obey their parents. But as children for a lifetime, we are to honor our parents. And so for children of every age, let me encourage you, listen to that message, because it will show you just how important honor is and how to go about this and how God uses us in our families. Because it's in the home. It's like the school of life. It's where all the training takes place. Because we are, as parents, our goal is this. The passion of godly parents is to see their children made complete in Christ. We want them fully functional in every aspect of life. We want them to know and to love the goodness of God. And so when you come to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, you have three guiding principles for godly parents. So let's take a look, verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, 
but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The first thing we see is that if you're a parent, you need to take responsibility. Notice how it begins. It says, fathers. That Greek word could also be translated parents. In fact, it is in Hebrews 11, verse 23, when it talks about Moses' parents. But you need to take responsibility. Now, you have authority. As parents, you have authority given to you by God. It's not an absolute authority, and it's not a right so much as it is a responsibility. And so, as those who are in Christ, we have a responsibility to invest in and to raise our children. And remember, as you, as we've been making our way through Ephesians, in chapter 5, he makes some really critically important statements. Like, notice what he says in verse 15, chapter 5. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. You can walk through life in an unwise manner. You can parent in an unwise manner. And he goes on to say, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God wants us to parent his way. And by the way, every parent is going to adopt a style for how you're going to rear and raise your children. Your default setting is how you were raised. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, that's pretty good. And others, not so much. And it's interesting how much time and attention people put into, like, their careers, their hobbies, but how little attention they give to parenting. And it may be one of your most important, if not the most important role that you will have, is how will you raise your kids? Well, God has given us the wisdom that we need And he's done so through his word. And furthermore, he's even given us his spirit so that this will be a possibility. It's not that we just have the right information, but God will actually infuse us with the strength. That's why he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is what? Dissipation, utter waste, but be filled with the spirit. We are to be those who are operating in God's spirit. It's the intentional dependence and delight upon God. We're asking God, would you guide my thoughts, and my behavior. I need strength from you. And this is the ongoing Christian life. God, fill me with your spirit. Help me delight and depend upon you. And one of the things that you find for those who are walking in the spirit, verse 21, chapter 5, to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You see the absolute importance of humility. Humility before God. To take our roles seriously. And notice he says, in the fear of Christ. When the Bible speaks of fear, it's speaking of a, like an overwhelming sense of reverence. It's the idea that you're compelled by Christ, his greatness and his goodness, to walk in his ways and his strength. And that means that you have to take responsibility for your role. What does the text say? Verse 4, chapter 6, fathers, parents, You are responsible for raising your children. It's not the teachers, the coaches, the school district, some director. I want you to know God has placed parents as the ones who take the primary responsibility for raising their children. So years ago, when I was a youth pastor back in Oregon, 
Uh, we'd have these parents' meetings, you know, all these parents are kind of looking at you, and I'd tell them a bunch of stuff, but one of the things that really get their attention is this. Listen, I'm not your kid's spiritual life. I don't have that primary rule. Think of me like this. Think of me like the Flintstone vitamin to the meat and potatoes they're getting at home, right? You are responsible. So, like, if I was in Texas, I would have probably said this. I'm not your kid's spiritual life. Think of me as the Flintstone vitamin to the brisket and fried okra they're eating at home, okay? And that's, that tells you, like, you're in charge. Now, I want you to know that I want to come alongside, and I want to be as strong a support as possible. I'm going to continually invest and train a team so that we will come alongside, support, and encourage you and your kids to walk with Christ and to know him deeply, genuinely, and personally. But parents, you need to take responsibility. One of the things that's really popular in American culture right now, we could call it the blame game. And so what happens is there's a problem with the child, and instead of the parents going, whoa, I need to take responsibility? No, what do we do? We go attack the teacher, right? Or the school, or the, parent, or the director, or the coach. In fact, the reality is you need to take responsibility. And so the first guiding principle for godly parents is you need to reject passivity and accept responsibility. Second, notice what this text says. You want to be a godly parent, you need to treat with preceptivity. Perceptivity. So look what he says, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, okay? You need to be perceptive. You need to have an awareness for how your parenting is affecting your child. He says, do not provoke your children to anger. Now, this doesn't mean that uh, your your parenting is never going to lead to your children being angry at you. No, that's going to happen. It's the idea, though, that your parenting is creating like this smoldering fire. It is creating like wrath and just deep-seated grief and pain in a child's heart where they are actually moved to anger. Or like it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, which is really a parallel passage, it says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Don't parent in such a way that your kids are completely worn out. They're exasperated. They don't even know what end is up. They don't know what to do. And so this isn't suggesting that your parenting isn't going to make your child upset. It is what it is, though, is telling you, You want to parent in such a way that you're not creating this smoldering fire that one day is going to be a raging inferno. And by the way, when Paul wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was writing to a pagan culture. And I want you to know, in Roman homes and actually many Jewish families, the father, he just kind of ruled with a domineering authority. And oftentimes they may not even have a lot of regard for their wives or their children. In a Roman family, did you know that a dad, at the birth of his child, could decide whether or not that child would live? Pagan dads didn't have a lot of concern for their kids. And I want you to know, that is not how it is for those who are in Christ. When Paul wrote this, this absolutely flew, uh, flew in the face of the cultural norms. It was true 
that back then, 2,000 years ago, it is true today. When you've got Christian parents and they're walking with God and going God's way, they're following his word, I want you to know it is absolutely a front to the culture. It is putting the gospel and God on display by how you parent. And so he's saying, don't exasperate your children. You don't want to create this, this smoldering fire of anger because remember what he said in, about anger? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. He says, be angry and yet do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then it says in the next verse, and do not give the devil an opportunity. You know, there's someone that like to join your family. It's the devil. And the great entrance that he has in a lot of families is anger. You see, it, the Bible's clear. You're going to be angry. Your kids are going to be angry. But do not sin. Don't let the sun go down upon your anger. That tells you that you need to deal with the anger issues, the problems, quickly. You don't want to have like, well, we're just, it's just ongoing one night after another, and you got this deep-seated anger, and it's just going over and over, and it's just... It's, it's kind of the, like the lifeblood now of our family. We're just mad at each other. Well, I want you to know that's why cracking open a door and it's inviting the devil to have opportunity to wreck all sorts of havoc in your family. And he will. So as parents, we, we need to be aware of how our parenting is affecting our children. We, we don't want to be like the king discourager in their lives. We want to be the encourager. But let me just be kind of practical, like ways parents can exasperate and provoke their children to anger. And these are in no particular order, but let me give you some. Like making your kids feel unwanted, like you just ignore them. So let me just ask you, does your, does your kid know that you are on their team? Because if he or she doesn't, I want you to know that uh, the devil's got some guy who's going to show a lot of special attention to your little girl and take her to places that you would never imagine. Or if your son doesn't know that you're on his team, why, he's going to go and find some friends and some affection and some appreciation in places that are going to be deeply devastating to him and to you. Another way that parents can exasperate their children is just overprotection. Like, you're just micromanaging them. They hardly can move, you know? Like, don't do this. And you're just like, you got them in like a little box, and they don't even know what ends up. And if you're just micromanaging them, you've got a fence just built around them, and they can hardly even move their arms, and you're suffocating them, I want you to know that's going to be exasperating. And what they'll do, they eventually will rebel. And I've seen this firsthand. And they're going to, like, run through that fence, and they're going to be in just kind of in, in a land where they don't even, they don't really understand it's because they really weren't trained well. The flip side of that uh, uh, is not giving them age-appropriate guidelines, okay? Uh, I, I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor, we had this big, huge Christmas party with all these high school kids, and afterwards, one of my high school student leaders came and found me and says, hey, Johnny's in the hall, and he's really crying. He's really upset. I'm like, how, how could that even be? I mean, we just had this big party. It was a lot of fun. So I go find Johnny in one of these halls. He's, he's sitting there. He's this high school guy. And uh, now Johnny had come from a really rough home, and he had come to Christ, and he's sitting there on the ground. So I just sit right beside him. Hey, Johnny, what's going on? He's crying, you know. I said, hey, what's happening? 
And he says, my parents don't love me. I said, why, why would you say that? He says, because they don't care what I do or where I go. Friends, you can really exasperate your children if you uh, don't give them just some age-appropriate guidelines. That gives them some security. That tells them, hey, you're in the game and you care. Let me give you some others. Failing to offer encouragement while criticizing often. Showing favoritism. You got your favorite uh, kid among all of your tribe? Mm-mm. You're going to exasperate some folks. Let me give you a few others. Demeaning them. Depreciating their worth, especially in front of their friends or peers. Here's another. Having impossible expectations. You're unreasonable in your demands. Uh, John MacArthur writes of this experience. Get ready. Listen to this. He says, I once visited a young woman who was confined to a padded cell and was in a state of catatonic shock. She was a Christian and had been raised in a Christian family, but her mother had ceaselessly pushed her to be the most popular, beautiful, and successful girl in school. She became head cheerleader, homecoming queen, and later a model. But the pressure to excel became too great, and she had a complete mental collapse. After she was eventually released from the hospital, she went back into the same artificial and demanding environment. When again... She found she could not cope. She committed suicide. She had summed up her frustration when she told me one day, I don't care what it is I do, I can never satisfy my mother. Let me give you some other ways you can exasperate your children. Being physically and or verbally abusive. If that's going on, you need to stop now. Let me give you another. Living by a double standard. You got one standard for your kids, but you got a whole other ethic and standard for you at work and your entertainment and the expectations for your own life. I want you to know that'll exasperate your children. If you're regularly in a disagreeable mood, that's going to wear them out. It's going to like foster a deep-seated anger and resentment. Let me give you a couple more. You're manipulating your children and being conditional with your love. So when they do what you would like them to do, why you shower them with attention and affection. And if they don't, all of a sudden, totally different ball game. I want you to know, that's not raising your children. That's trying to manipulate them. And they know it. And it's going to, it's going to hurt you. They will, ex- they will experience a deep-seated anger if that's how you treat them. And then finally, failing to give and ask for forgiveness if you're holding a grudge, even though your child like apologized to you, but you simply can't forgive, or you're too proud to ask for forgiveness, they're going to eventually resent that. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. You see, what we need to do is we need to take responsibility. We need to treat with perceptivity. How is this actually being perceived? How, what kind of awareness do you have of how your treatment of your child is affecting them. And finally, for godly parents, you want to train for maturity. Notice how this verse ends. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction 
of the Lord. Bring them up. Uh, that word could be translated nourish. In fact, it is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. Remember, husbands are to nourish their wives, okay? That's more than like providing them food. Like, well, she's got bread and water. I'm, I'm nourishing. No, remember, it's, it's all aspects of her life. Providing, caring. Sir, sir, there's the physical, but mental, emotional, relational, social. You care that she's thriving, right? That's what you want to be doing. Well, that's the exact same word here for parents. Parents, you're to bring them up, nourish, help them thrive. And you do so by presenting to them discipline. This has training up or correction. It's the cultivation of mind and their morals. This is kind of the parenting that you find, this training of investment that you find like in the book of Proverbs. You're helping them grow, develop, being educated in every respect. And he goes on to say, in the discipline and instruction. Okay, this literally means putting into mind. You're not just giving them the information, but you're helping them to understand how things work. You're willing to correct them, to come alongside. So there's discipline and instruction because you want them to grow to the fullness of maturity in Christ. Our goal in parenting is that they would come to really love God, they would walk in his ways, and they would be fully functional adults. And so when you talk about maturity, it's not that they just have the right actions, but they have the right heart and the right attitude. They even understand why these things are important. So like, if you'd like a biblical definition of maturity, look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, where it simply says this, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good from evil. The mature individual, they take the solid food of the word and they can tell when this is good, healthy, beneficial, or this is evil, wrong, and going to have a lot of negative consequences. This is not God's will. That's what you want to develop with your children. And so uh, it's interesting. He says, bring them up in the discipline instruction of the Lord. Remember, children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Here we see parents are to be bringing the discipline instruction of the Lord. You know, parents oftentimes say, and I've, I've said this myself, like, I'm raising my kids. But in actuality, you, God is using you to raise his kids. He's the one who made them. They are his children, and he is using you to help them grow and develop. That all of a sudden puts a completely different perspective on parenting. It also tells us that Jesus Christ is to be the center of our parenting. And so when we face times where we lack patience, we need the Lord every hour, yea, every second, right? I mean, that's going to happen, right, in parenting? Well, he provides. And the times that we need wisdom, which is always when it comes to parenting, like I can't tell you how many times my kids would be in a situation or ask me something like, God, I need wisdom, like now. That would really be helpful, Right? He supplies. And when your children break your heart, I want you to know that God is grieved and he brings encouragement, hope, and his perspective. It's God who will fill your heart to want to pray because we're doing it in the Lord. We live in his love. We find forgiveness for all of our parenting failures, and you're going to have them. I want you to know I have parenting failures, and we're going to find fresh strength where? In him 
who is the Lord. And I want you to know, sometimes parenting feels pretty lonely. But remember this, we never parent alone. It is God who's doing the work. And he's always with us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. He's even given us his people, the church. We're together. God is accomplishing his work. So the passion of godly parents is to see their children made complete in Christ. That means that we train for maturity. So what does training for maturity actually look like? Well, let me just kind of break this down for you. First of all, you want to center on the heart. The scripture teaches that it is from one's heart comes one's behavior. It's what you really believe. The heart speaks of not just like your emotions, but also like your will and your intellect. And that's how they refer to the heart. That's why the Bible places so much emphasis on one's heart. Like Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. What you really believe, what's really going on here, that's what's going to come out of your life. And so with your parenting, you want to focus on heart transformation, not behavior modification, okay? There are a lot of parents, like, they just want their kids to act right in public. Don't make a fool out of me, all right? But I want you to know, you can train a monkey. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to connect at a heart level. We want them to understand the nature of change and life begins in one's heart. This whole idea of this hypocrisy of just kind of outward actions but no inward reality, I want you to know Jesus came down really hard on that. Like Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus said this, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. You know that? He was talking about religious people, and they were saying the right things and singing the right songs, but their heart was far away from God. Jesus says, I'd never intended that. I want reality. I want you to know me. I want you to love me. And the same goes for our parenting. We need inward change. And I want you to, now this is where it gets really difficult. Parents, you can't change your child's heart. In fact, you probably figured this out. You can't even change your heart. God has to step in, right? And he does. It's God who brings growth. It's God who brings transformation, change of heart. And so this is why parents become people of prayer, because we realize, I can't do this. God, you're going to have to. And with our children, we want them to understand not just what they did, what was wrong, but why that's wrong. We always are surfacing the gospel. There is, we are sinners by nature, and sin is manifested in a wide variety of ways. But that's why God has given us the gospel of grace, forgiveness, so that we can walk in his ways. We have a remedy for all of our problems, our sin, and our mistakes. And so as parents, we're always emphasizing Christ, the gospel, our need for Jesus, and our kids' needs. And we're asking God, would you bring the growth and change and transformation in their lives? You see, as parenting, we, our goal is to see our kids eventually really love Christ, to walk in his ways, and to be fully functional, mature adults. We want to set them on that trajectory. So we're centering on the heart. That means that we are communicating continually. 
you always want to keep the conversation going. You're going to communicate with your words, but you're also going to communicate with your way of life. In fact, how you live will probably be more remembered than all of the words that you said. They're just going to remember how you live because it's always communicating. So you always want to keep those lines of communication open. And remember, you model the message. So who is to take responsibility? Parents, you are. You take responsibility. You might have a kid who just always asks lots of questions and wants to engage in you, but most of the time, that's not the case. You've got to initiate the conversation. Ask them questions. Maybe talk about what you're learning. Share something from the Bible. Ask them what they're learning. Find out about what's going on in their life, the things that trouble them, the things that bother them, the things that make them happy. Know about them. Engage. You want to be engaging at a heart level. You want to talk about God. You want to show them and talk about, like, why serving Jesus is important. Don't like, well, I'll serve the Lord once my kids are out of the home. Well, then you sent them the message that, well, that really wasn't that important, right? You show them how to worship. They'll see what worship looks like. Do you read your Bible? They'll know. They know if you pray. They know if you read the Bible. They, they know if you're broken over your sin, if you'll ask for forgiveness. You experience the cleansing. They know these things. You always want to be communicating. Dennis Rainey, in his book, One, Time, One Home at a Time, writes this. Letting withdrawal take place is a huge tactical error. Abandoning teenagers to set their own limits and boundaries is an unthinkable omission. We must intensify our efforts to experience deeper intimacy with our children during adolescence. When adult matters surface, issues like sexuality, manhood, womanhood, peer pressure, self-image, teenagers need our guidance to navigate the swift currents of life. And as they mature, you want them to understand your convictions and how you got them. You need to take responsibility. Continually communicate. You may not even feel like communicating with them, right? But you're going to, and you can, in Christ's strength. But when we talk about training for maturity, you also are correcting consistently. One of the ways that you and I know that we're God's children is what? He actually disciplines us, right? We've all had the experience. We tried to do it our way, We're going to set God on the shelf, and God has a way of getting our attention, right? I want you to know that's because we are his children. Every child has a sin nature. I'm sure you've discovered that if you're a parent, right? They're going to defy you. They're going to disobey you. They're going to challenge your authority. Be assured your children will test you. But God has placed you in the role as a parent, and you have a job to do. And so what this looks like is when they're really young, they don't really have maturity, right? And so you will have a lot more times and opportunities for discipline when they're younger. But you want them on a trajectory of growing in maturity, right? And as they get older and older, they're maturing. Discipline, uh, in the early stages, there's probably a lot more discipline because as they get older... You really want that discipline to completely curtail, and eventually it completely falls off, right? So that's what it looks like, but you need to be correcting consistently. Like, for instance, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, it says this, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. So far from uh, the opposite of discipline isn't love, actually, if you really love your child, 
you'll discipline them, right? And it's hard work, and it's difficult. And if you really want to develop a biblical understanding of parenting, take the book of Proverbs, and you make a note or a mark by every verse that talks about parenting, communicating, investing in, shaping one's heart, discipline, and you're going to find out, wow, the Bible has a whole lot to say. I've got a really important role. And there are three things that you simply cannot allow, okay? You cannot allow disrespect, dishonesty, and disobedience. These are three things you, you just simply can't allow. You're going to have to correct. They are disrespect, dishonesty, and disobedience. So like in our home with our four kids, we had this little phrase, when do we obey? Right away. And that wasn't was one of my kids, right? But we would just say this over and over. Because, like, when it came to God and his word, like, God, what does God want from us? He wants us to obey right away, right? With the right heart and the right attitude. And so we would try to do that with our, our children. And so I want you to know that, like, this is what this looks like. When they're, they're really young and, like, they're, they're toddlers, you know that it's, like, discipline now enters the picture when they can defy you. So, for instance, you ask them, to, like, come here or to do something, and you know they understand you, and they're like, "Mm -mm -mm." I want you to know, goodbye Pottery Barn image, welcome to reality parenting. You're going to have to discipline. And so when they're really young, uh, that can just be kind of like spanking on their hand as they get older, like spanking on their backside. And this is what this conversation looks like as a parent. So, Hey, you, you didn't obey daddy when I asked you to do this, did you? No. And I want you to know, like, I want to obey God. God has told me that I need to discipline you if you disobey. And if I didn't, I'd be disobeying God too. I want you to know I love you, but I am going to correct you. And so you do. And then you have connection moments where you connect with their heart through communication, okay? And then as they get older, I mean, discipline's going to change. There's not just like one type discipline, and you just always do that. Actually, you need to kind of gauge the situation. As they get older in those elementary years, you're going to be taking away privileges, grounding. They're not going to go to the ball game, whatever it might be, but you're going to have to figure it out, and you're going to have to be willing to discipline. And it's going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of conversations, but you want to be involved. In fact, if you don't do this, you're setting your kid up for uh, disaster because if they can't learn to respect you and your authority, guess what? They're going to have a lot of trouble with God and his authority and, uh, and authorities like in civilian life, right? Like police or teachers or government officials. They're just going to learn, ah, I don't have to obey you. I don't have to honor God. I'll just do it my own way. And so what you want to do is you want to be consistent. Now, some parents say, you know what? I tried disciplining my child, but it didn't work. Uh, so I'm, I'm not doing that. Well, that would be like saying, like, well, I tried being faithful to my spouse, but it just didn't work. No, you've got to stay in it. It is going to challenge you. It'll take almost everything out of you. But you want to be in the game, and you want to begin early. You want to win these battles early on. 
I, I know it's difficult, but if you will early on, it's going to reap all these benefits in the years to come. And your home is going to be a lot of joy because you've set the tone. They're understanding this is how God has set this up. You want to use the word no very carefully. Mean what you say and say what you mean, right? You, you want to be very careful. You also, you want to refrain from this kind of like parenting style that's, I, I, I just call it the don't make me count to 10 approach. You know what I'm talking about? And it's, it's this. The parent says, hey, Jimmy, hey, come here. And Jimmy like looks at their parent like, no, we're not doing this. And so what does the parent do? Don't make me count to 10. And I one, and you know, and they go up here, and the child is watching this. And then we're nine, nine and a half, Johnny, and then you use this full legal name and stuff like that. Nine and three quarters. And then you're just about ready to blow up, and then the child takes one step and like Come here, Johnny. Don't make me count to ten. One, and we go through this whole thing. I want you to know that's not really teaching them how to obey. Your children are going to learn where your limits are. They, they already know that. So why not be right away, huh? It's going to be a lot easier for them and especially you. And you also, you want to um, not get into this pattern where like, they only need to obey me if they like my reasoning. So with the really little ones, you don't need to explain your rationale and all your reasoning. They just need to obey right away. As they get older, you want to be providing lots of explanation why you're making decisions. The reason I didn't watch, let you watch this TV show was this, but you're engaging. You're helping them, but they still need to obey you because they're, you're the authority. They're called to honor you, to respect you. And you don't want to get into situations where you're rewarding bad behavior, you know? Like crying, temper tantrums, you know, they're throwing a fit, and you're like, oh, this is just tearing me out. What do I need to do? And I'll give them candy, right? And so they'll be good for 10 minutes, or at least they won't throw a fit. Well, I want you to think about that. Now, we've all probably had to resort to something like that at some point. But what is that going to look like in their future marriage or at their future job or with the teacher or the coach or the policeman? You want to teach respect and honor. You're going to do your kids a long-term disservice if you'll not make those investments. And remember, as much as your training should be as as positive as possible. And finally, when you're training for maturity... You want to be conveying your love and God's love often. You always want to be communicating your love for your kid and how much God loves them. You remember in um, science class, you had that experiment where they took all the air out of a metal can. Do you remember that? And it's like you have this full can, and it's in great shape, and then all of a sudden the air is just sucked out, and that can just... Like, whoa! I want you to know... That's what it's like for a lot of kids today. Because in today's culture, uh, you only have real value, or at least it's how it's presented, if you have beauty, a lot of brains, or some really great skills. And if you don't have those things, why, you're kind of dismissed. You're not super relevant. Those that get all the attention, those that really have it, why, they got some combination of Beauty, brains, 
and lots of uh, skills and talents. I want you to know, parents, it's your job to invest and pour in those kids. You are always investing in their character. You let them know that they are loved unconditionally by you and by God. And focus on character development. Do not just like, uh, like play the world's game where like, wow, you're just super intelligent. They may be, but there's a lot of folks that are just average. What you really want to applaud is that they're hardworking. I would frankly rather have my kids be a really a hustling athlete than kind of like the elite one that has all sorts of talent. You want to be always investing in them. Praise them that they're godly, okay, versus popular. And I want you to know, like, when I'm talking, this is real. Because if you don't, your kids might actually think, like, well, it's actually all about being beautiful or having these great talents or just being super intelligent and getting this score. And they'll taste some success that way, and they're going to set aside God altogether, And if that's reaffirmed by you, and it's certainly going to be reaffirmed by the society, we're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. So what you want to do is you affirm your love for your children and God's love on a regular basis. Your kids need to hear it from you. I love you on a regular basis. And you're like, well, I didn't grow up that way. Neither did I. I want you to know you can learn, though, and it's going to make a huge difference. They need your verbal affirmation, your physical affection. They need to know that you really are for them and you enjoy them. And so that's what you want to do. You want to enjoy your kids. You want to make some memories because it's not going to be this way for long. And parents, there are no perfect parents, are there? That's why we all need the gospel of grace. And all of my parenting failures... That just once again reassures and reaffirms just how much I need Christ and the gospel. Forgiveness, strength to move forward, his wisdom, his perspective. And remember this, we don't parent alone. These are, after all, God's kids. And so that's what we do. And with our adult children, while you want to take all the opportunities you can to connect with communication, And to once again just reassure your love. We're called to be faithful. And if your adult children are making some decisions that are absolutely breaking your heart, I want you to know we pray, we give them to God, and we do all we can to make those investments. But the passion of godly parents is to see their children brought to the fullness of maturity in Christ. One Christian father confesses this, and I'll I'll close with this. My family's all grown, and the kids are all gone. But if I had to do it all over again, this is what I'd do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more, even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family, Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then, finally, if I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day. 
I would use to direct them to God. Because indeed, God is where the greatness is and where the joy is. So parents, take responsibility. Train with perceptivity. And what you want to do is you want to train them for maturity. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for you and your gospel. Forgiveness, life, direction, hope. For someone who is here today who has never truly trusted you, would they just pray with me and say, God, I need you, the perfect heavenly Father. I trust in Jesus Christ today. I turn from my sin, and I trust him, the Lord, for forgiveness, for dying in my place. And I want to walk in your ways. And God, for all of us who know you, God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Help us just to walk forward in your strength, to live by faith, to live in your love. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.